0: When I first thought of the prospect of working from home, working remotely, and the stay at home movement, I thought, how can I add value to the people that have the time to listen? And that's when I thought, this is the perfect time to cover the book, *Leadership*, written by John C. Maxwell. And some of the leadership uh, philosophies that he brings forth in this book are such a value to share, and I hope that you find value in the series that I'm promoting here on Anchor, on the other channels that Anchor supports, and the replays available at the learning management system we have at nomas.com. If you go to manyananomas.com, click on Academy in the upper menu, you'll see that Leadership is a free course that people can participate in, catch up on the replays, and then join our live shows. Have a great one. All right, this usually goes live dang near instantly. Uh, But I wanna make sure that we are in. All right, and there we are. Let me run this volume down. All right, we're in for a little bit of a surprise and a hiccup along the way today. And this is part of leading within a crisis, right? My understanding is that Facebook Live probably is under a lot of stress right now. I don't want to be mad at Facebook because Facebook Live didn't work at 3 o'clock, but when I went to sign in on Zoom, uh, it said that I had opted out of that service, even though I had just put up a Facebook Live message at, you know, 1230, reminding folks to come in. So my hope is that folks will join the Zoom invite that is part of the Facebook page invite, also on my profile and in the LinkedIn profile, there's an invite so that people can join the call live on Zoom. And it would be absolutely fantastic to see people in that atmosphere. Uh, I'm going to pull up that screen so I can see that in real time. And uh, it is with excitement that I launch into session four of LeaderShift. Now, for those of you that join the call live on the Zoom call, uh, there are some buttons at the bottom of the screen uh, there's things so you can share your screen you can chat things like that if you join the call and you have questions uh, a I'd like it to be interactive uh, B um, if you put something in chat I get a notification so I can look at that and then we can discuss it or I can you know answer the question that you may have had there in chat or something like that now we've already covered the first three chapters of leadership and. leadership in the Mañana del Academy, I've got kind of a pre-course work there that, that'll say, you know, why did I pick this work? So we have that why this work and, and why now, right? So why now are we covering this? And as we go through this coronavirus uh, pandemic and as we deal with things, I look at this and go, I feel like there's a leadership deficit in our culture. I've been trained in leadership and public speaking. I am a big fan of John's works. Uh, this book really spoke to me as I was going through it and I thought the timing is perfect. I mean, if there is a chance, I mean, even if the chance is only this big that I can add value to somebody or inspire somebody to take a leadership role within their, their group, their niche, their company, uh, their organization. Uh, if, if that inspiration can somehow come from me, well then job done. Right? So, uh, I'm not doing this to make money. The course that is in the Manana Nomas entitled "Leadership" is free to access, and I want people to get the exposure. Now, I'm also doing some stuff in power sports in the marine industry, and I'm in a very similar situation there. When you talk about essential businesses during a crisis, right? So this pandemic has shut down a lot of businesses, and a lot of people are going through a, a great period of uncertainty, right? And then you think about the essential businesses like the food store, the pharmacy, uh, you know, the car dealership is still open to service your car. Well, motorcycle dealerships and Marine dealerships in most States fall under that category of automotive service. And so these guys are open, it's essential services and the idea of social distancing made motorcycling cool again. So since I'm so passionately driven by power sports and Marine for two industries, you know, not to mention, you know, RVs and bicycles and stuff like that, but From a livelihood standpoint, power sports really speaks to my heart. And this is a time when these dealerships can not only survive, but they can thrive as people realize it's okay they can unapologetically go for a motorcycle ride now social distance themselves and get that much needed quiet space that every human being needs at one level or another Uh, for me currently in my life it's through bicycling i love to mountain bike and road bike some people jog some people run and you know some people just love to twist the throttle you know twisting the throttle never lost its cool and so there's been a lot going on for me. I mean, a lot of people would say, you know, this is the time to kick back, relax and, and kind of re strategize, reorganize, rethink some things. Um, but I had set up my business to go virtual and do a virtual training example back in January when Suzuki had some cutoffs and cut layoffs and I was working back there. Right. So, um, I've already had a couple of months to prepare for this. And again, Without taking advantage of people, without gouging people, without you know falsely increasing your price model or your margins, you know this is a great time to thrive if you're one of these essential businesses. Uh, when it comes down to, to to personal development and training and all that, that's never out of fashion. So if you're in these industries, if you're in an essential business industry. Um, please know that that it 's okay to do your job it 's okay to get paid it 's okay to to charge a normal price for a normal service. that is completely okay and this is also a great time to go above and beyond and donate or give and that 's what i 'm trying to do through this channel here. Um, we covered the first three chapters, and you know the first chapter I thought was really good. It said why every leader needs to leadership and leadership is talking about the quickness or the pace in which somebody embraces change as a leader, right? And then we talked about soloist to conductor, the art of becoming an expert to somebody that can breed experts, right? From someone that can be the star musician to someone that's the conductor leading a bunch of star musicians. Uh, it's about the, the law of multiplicity, right? It's, a, it's about being able to duplicate yourself through many and, and making a larger impact as a group rather than as yourself. Then we talked about goals to growth, and that was just on Tuesday. Today is Thursday. Uh, We talked about goals to growth, and it was about instead of chasing the next goal, instead of having a finish line, what if there was no finish line? What if you could pursue growth, and and that never stopped? What if that just, you know, if if you thought of things from a growth mindset, you become more of a behavioral-based goal chaser rather than a tactics or a task-based goal setter and i was pretty clear in that session because it can get murky talking about that right i still believe that you need to have goals these goals are these report cards along the way right i'm gonna get to so many members of my website by such and such i'm gonna create so much revenue by such and such i'm gonna help so many people by such and such and those are great milestones but in the big the big picture, the big picture is, you know, I, I gotta, I gotta grow. I got, I gotta affect as many people as possible. I gotta be as positive and as energetic and communicative to as many different people as possible. And so I really love that chapter. And and I, you know, last week I was a little animated um, and I spoke to that. I said, you know, it's hard to stay, it's hard to keep the energy level super, super high and exciting when you're in an office by yourself, you know, with a screen behind you. That, at, that's hard because you don't have the energy of the group or the or the discussion to feed back into that. And that's why I keep asking folks to sign in on the Zoom channel because then that creates that dynamic, right? That interactivity that, that maybe can keep things rolling. I'm going to do my best to keep this exciting. I gave you guys a playful background today to uh, to at least make up for my lack of energy if that were to happen. But I don't think that's going to happen today because chapter four, especially now, especially during the time of the pandemic and so many people staying home, I think that this particular chapter really speaks out. And having reviewed it prior to this call, um, I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say the first part of the chapter is is really, to me, that the h- hardest hitting right now. Um, John takes the the concepts that are covered in this chapter, breaks them into three major parts. And then that that first of the three to me is the one that just really just pops. You know, it's the one that pops off the screen. So, and by the way, um, I did see earlier that people had signed tried to sign into Zoom back at like one or one thirty back when I posted that reminder post. Um, the time was uh, three o'clock Pacific Standard Time, which is California, and apparently people were trying to sign in like Mountain Time, like from Colorado or Illinois or something, and so. Uh, I wanted to just confirm that the times that I put up when they say PST after them, that's for West Coast time. And so I'm on here at three o'clock in the afternoon. But if you're, you know, in Florida, it's six o'clock where you're at. So I totally get that. And uh, I'll try to be more clear, or more emphatic in these invitations that I send out for folks for these events. But uh, but that's what had happened there. So if, if that was you, I just wanted to give you an explanation. It's not that it didn't happen. It's just that it didn't happen two hours earlier all right um again chapter four let's let's dive in here because he he titled the chapter perks to price and perks to price being an outsider looking in doesn't make any sense at all right perks to price what what is what is john even talking about here and and john to me is the quintessential speaker on leadership right I mean, you, you've got Ken Blanchard and his family, you know, his son, Scott. You've got, you know, Tony Robbins doing his thing. You've, you've got um, Stu doing the, the thing. Uh, Russell Brunson. You, you got all these people doing something, right? Um, but to me, John holds a special place in my heart because I've spent time going to his events and reading his books and, and really diving into the word that that he creates. And so when he says perks to price right out of the shoot, I'm like, that doesn't even make any sense. What's he talking about? So Let's get right into that. On page 61 of the book, if you've gotten your copy in the link that I made available on the Amazon, and remember I said, I don't even wanna make a dime on this. That wasn't even an affiliate link. That's just a straight link to Amazon. Um, He says here, I've met a lot of people who desire to become leaders, and that's only natural since I do so much teaching and writing on the subject. And then he'll start asking people, like in a one-on-one situation, questions about leadership, things that they want, right? and sometimes their answers will reveal their motivation is really about the perks of leading. They wanna be in control. Immediately when you think of that, you think perks, perks of leading. Have you ever worked for somebody? Hey, Michelle Cunningham's gonna jump in on the Zoom call. Awesome. So uh, when you are thinking about someone that is taking a leadership position from the perspective of uh, the perks of leadership, it's about the position. Remember before we had talked about positional authority. We had talked about someone that just wanted to be in control, wanted to run, wanted to hit the demands, right? And then we talked about the leadership dance, where it's not about yelling and screaming at people. It's about leading your people by example, walking next to your people, and then sometimes getting behind your people and giving them a little push, and then working back and forth and back and forth, right? We called that the leadership dance. He's talking about the perks of leadership. They want to be in control. Um, A lot of leaders, when they start out, start out in this kind of a position, right? They start out like, I want to be the leader because, and then when you ask them, it's not because I want to add value to a team or it's because I want to help people develop to become the best selves, or I want to, uh, you know, help people create the best, you know, in Michelle's case, I want to help people create the best art that they can. I want people to understand the relationships of color on the palette, things like that. It's, you know, young leaders are like, I want them to X, Y, and Z for me. And that is, you know, on an unhealthy part of leadership. I want to make sure I don't have, she is, Michelle, can you talk? Or do you want to turn your camera on? Or do you want to stay? uh, Do you want to stay out of the picture? She's not going to talk. She's nervous. Are you going to do it, Michelle? Are you going to do it? She's chatting. Let's see what she says. She says, hi. Hey, everybody. Michelle says hi. So, um if we were to take this a step further go to page 62 uh we see you know reality hit people of the church were kind to him but they didn't automatically follow him um (laughs) that's when he learned the law of e.f hutton he writes about that in the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership to give you a story of this he took a job as a pastor of a church and he assumed everybody was going to follow him he assumed he's the leader he's you know he's Got the stick, everybody's gonna chase him. And that's not what happened. Uh, there was an older person in his congregation that, you know, John would try to lead this group down a certain path, and uh, this older person could stand up and walk out of the room and everybody would walk out with him, right? And that's when John realized the law of E.F. Hutton, right? And that, that old commercial when E.F. Hutton speaks, everybody listens. Well, that is what he was talking about when he called it the law of E.F. Hutton, right? You might have the leadership position but you might not actually be the leader, right? You might be the manager, but there might be another leader. And so that's what he was talking about there. And so he's want to know, how do I get that? How do I make the shift from, from that? How do I, how do I get the perks of being the leader? Right. And the perks are like, I'm in control. I get the, and and you talk about things that that he would get, right? Like, uh, it says I receive titles, recognition, honorary degrees, authority, nice offices, good parking places, money, preferential treatment, all these things It talks about like a leader sees as perks, but how do you get the perks right and so it says it took time to get there, but I made a shift from being focused on what I can receive as a leader, the perks, to what I can give as a leader the price, and that 's what that 's where the name comes from, perks to price, right so how can he get the perks of leadership? And what will that cost him? Like, what what does he have to give up to get that? Okay. And that leads to a really good quote that John had said when I was at the IMC in 2016. He was saying you had to give up to go up, right? So you got to sacrifice to move up the the leadership ladder, right? To give up to go up. And so that was something that always stuck with me. Um, in John's style, he did the two column thing that you can see there, right? So in John's classic style, he said, leaders who focus on perks and leaders who focus on price, leaders who focus on perks would say, what do I receive? And then price would be, what can I give? How will this decision affect me? Right? How will this decision affect others? Um, how long will this take me? How far can we go? Right. And then how will you give me uh what will you give me to stay in the game right that's the perks what will you give me to stay in the game and the person focused on the price what can they give to, to lead right is what must i give to stay in the game and i think that's that's huge um i had told people before talking about the chapters of this book that i had recently been laid off by suzuki and one of the first questions i asked while being laid off was hey guys as soon as you let me out of this room there's a group of people out there, they're gonna think they're next. So do you want me to tell them anything? Do you want me to tell them they're safe? Do you want me to tell them you need to see them next? Do you want me, like, how are we gonna communicate what just happened to me, to the, to the people that are in my aisle? And that to me is, you know, I had a lot of perks of leadership there, but that was part of that price. My people were always on my mind while I was on the clock. And so that's something that to me really spoke. And Michelle's one of the people that was on my team. So uh, it was really awesome to know that, you know, we could stay in touch and we could do things together. Oh, there she is. She says that is true. (laughs) So in the text, she said she had to watch a tutorial to get on Zoom and she says that is true. So awesome, awesome. Uh, On page 63, after the two columns, John goes in to talk a little bit more about exchanging perks for price. And then remember at the beginning where I said he splits this chapter into three categories. The first of the three categories is what I'm going to spend the most amount of time on. So bear with me on this because as I'm talking about the first of the three categories, you're going to be like, "Uh uh-oh, looking at the time. But don't worry. I always respect your time and I'll get you out of here uh, just as quickly as I can while answering any of your questions along the way. So it says "Leaders leaders who focus on perks... End up misusing their leadership, and because they love perks more than people, they are continually tempted to misuse people to receive, maintain, or improve their perks. I can't tell you how many corporate environments I've been in where I have found that to be true, right? Um, The first time you hear about executives getting bonuses that the staff doesn't know about, that's a big sign that this is the type of leadership that's in that building right? Um, leaders who focus on perks end up missing, misusing their leadership, right? So leveraging people to do things that they wouldn't be willing to do themselves or breaching some type of, you know, um, established corporate ethic to get to an end, like, like you know, damn the means we're going to get to the end, right? And that's just not a healthy way to lead your people. So um, if you want to reach your potential, you become the best leader you can be and make the greatest impact, you have to shift from perks to price in your leadership. Meaning you have to convert, you have to somehow say, how can I do more, right? And so the three things, I'm gonna give it up without even going through the sections. The three things are reality, example, and consistency. What are the three things that you need to do as a leader uh, that will help you pay the price to enjoy those perks? And it comes to reality, example and consistency so reality is the one that really jumped off the page especially during the crisis we're in right now the uh the coronavirus deal that we're going through now is going to put people under a lot of undue stress a lot of issues are going to pop up and it's going to be people that can lead people that can lend a calm ear people that have a sense of empathy Um, i've been bold before i've told you guys as we've gone through the chapters I've been accused of not being the most compassionate person in the world. And I may be missing some elements of compassion, but I married a woman who's great at filling in the gaps for compassion for me. Right. But I do have a gift of empathy. Like I I can say, I understand why that person feels that way. My heart might not break the same way that theirs does, but I can understand that. Right. And that's where empathy comes in. So reality, it says the first thing's reality. It says leaders recognize that everything worthwhile, is uphill right I'm in the middle of growing a power sports and marine training network right? so make no bones about it that's that's my core that's what's gonna generate revenue for me and my family we are building uh, and it was virtual it was intended to be virtual before the shutdowns happened so I was online before everyone said oh we're gonna shut down and go online I was already online so I have this product it's a training product and I want to sell that right? but nothing worth doing is easy. It's going to be uphill. It's going to take time. I don't just flip a switch, build a product and 3000 customers show up, right? I've got to go out and build that. And I got to build that through leadership and trust and communication. And that is what takes effort. It's going to take time. So it says no one ever coasted to success. No successful person ever experienced accidental achievements. You don't just wake up and go, boom, there it is, right? You have to, you have to work for it. You have to grow with it. You have to push and, and, and mature it. You have to make it work. Um, all of that, right? It says, nothing of genuine value is easy, quick, and downhill. All precious things in life require that we pay a price. Now, I was talking to another group outside of this group about leadership. I was talking about the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and things like that. And we had talked about, you know, working hard and what it meant to uh, work hard and pay the price. And I had quoted somebody or talked about a quote from somebody and didn't realize where the quote had come from and actually came out of this book. On page 64, we were talking about hard work. And you know, there are some people that seem to have just fallen into a position or just have found success easily. And then we look at that and go, uh, how did that happen? Well, a lot of times you don't see the work, right? Like when someone's getting the gold medal at the Olympics, you don't know, go, oh wow, you know, they just swam for, 20 minutes and got that medal. No, they swam for 18 years, and then got that medal, right? So, so it's like no one became a success overnight. But there is one th- a guy that answers this really well. So early American missionary, and I'm going to screw up his first name. It's uh, Adoniram, I think is his first name. Adoniram Judson is rumored to have said there is no success without sacrifice. If you succeed without sacrifice, it is because someone has suffered before you. If you sacrifice without success, it is because someone will succeed after. And that's one of those things where, you know, it was, we had discussed that in, in Tuesday's thing where we talked about uh, John being interviewed by uh, the reporter. And the reporter said, why are you working so hard in South Africa? You might not realize, you know, the effects that you're intending to realize here. And he goes, well, I probably won't. You know, I'll be dead by the time these things happen but I will have caused these things to take motion and to to move on. For instance, I don't know that I'm gonna be able to save the power sports industry, but I know that I have enough knowledge about running service departments in the power sports industry that I can have a positive effect. And so I might not live long enough to see the resurgence of the power sports industry and just how cool it is, but I know that I can have an effect on getting it along the way. And someone else can finish that up and they can fall in and, and pick up where my sacrifice lends off, right? Um, the next thing that he talks about in the book, and it's, it's paramount to me. I mean, it was like a huge part and it's called the Stockdale uh, paradox, Stockdale paradox. And so how do you get ready for the long uphill, uphill journey? I think you can learn a lesson from Navy Vice Admiral James Stockdale. And then this was actually written about in a book by Jim Collins, but quoted in John Maxwell's work here. And it says, Stockdale was a pilot who spent eight years imprisoned in North Vietnam's notorious Hanoi Hilton after he was shot down during the Vietnam War. He was frequently tortured and abused. And when Collins interviewed Scott Stockdale, the former admiral said his imprisonment was the defining event of his life. I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also I would prevail. Collins was intrigued by this man uh, whose body decades later still showed signs of being broken but whose spirit was as indomitable as ever right so the dude still had a really strong presence even though he had been beaten for years and so um, Collins asked him he said well who didn't make it out it's a fair question right you were so determined to make it you knew that you would prevail so who didn't make it out and he writes oh that's easy Uh, the optimists uh, so confused, the, the author then asked Stockdale to explain himself, and he said, oh, they were the ones who said, we're going to be out by Christmas, or, uh, and Christmas would come, and Christmas would go, and they'd say, we're going to be out by Easter, and Easter would come and go, and then Thanksgiving, and then it would be Christmas again, and they died of a broken heart, and then Stockdale goes on to explain to Collins. He says, what Stockdale said next gave Collins the idea for the Stockdale paradox. This is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. And I think about that now. Like I read that this morning, preparing for today's call, and I was like, "That's like now. Like people are locked in their homes. People, some people are freaking out. Uh, go to the food store and try to buy like meat right now. And there's not much to choose from. Toilet paper has been gone for weeks. Like." what is causing this panic, right? And it, it's kind of lost in these words here, right? He says, this is a very important lesson. You must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. Remember, nothing worth doing is easy. Everything is uphill, right? You have to put in the work. You have to make the sacrifices. Uh, I would talk frequently in my professional career with, with coworkers and, and team members about, man, We sometimes we just gotta do the work. Sometimes we just gotta dig in and do the work, right? Um, another thing that he had said here, it says, retain faith that you will prevail in the end regardless of the difficulties, and at the same time, confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they may be. And I keep saying that over and over again because we're gonna prevail. We just don't know when, right? I don't know if the Corona lockdowns are going to be released in two weeks, in a month, in two months, in three months, in six months. I don't know. Right. But I do know we're going to prevail in the end. Right. We are going to make it through. Right. And so we'll figure out what that is. People that think they're going to be, you know, going to the nightclub two Fridays from now are going to be real disappointed when two Fridays from now rolls around and the nightclubs are still closed. And that's because, we will prevail we just don't know exactly when and we need to do the work and buckle down and get ourselves to the end of this run so that we can enjoy the fruits of those labors hopefully that's making a little more sense than the way it sounded coming out just now uh it says these twin expectations of faith and fact help us to believe we can prevail in the end but must remind remind us that the process won't be easy and then john converts that instead of saying faith and uh, faith and help he says Think about it like hoping hard, like you can hope for something, but you know it's gonna be hard to get it done. You can hope for something, but it's gonna take effort, right? And hope is something that we never wanna lose, right? Think about like any war movie you've seen, right? When, when somebody loses hope, they lose the battle. And so you wanna make sure that you maintain your hope every which way along the way, right? And I'm looking at the time, I know it's 3.30 Pacific Standard Time, but I, trust me, I'm good on time, I'm gonna get you through it. It says here, I cannot give hope to others if I don't possess it myself. It must come from a place of authenticity because you can't fake hope, right? As you encourage yourself, your people feel that encouragement too. As you encourage them, you also become encouraged and it creates a positive cycle that keeps everybody moving forward. And I think that's huge. If you have followed my other social channels, you will see I'm not engaging in political rhetoric, I'm not exchanging articles that I don't know to be true. Uh, You know, someone says, oh, you can cure the virus with bleach. I'm not going to write you can cure the virus with bleach, right? I don't know that to be true. I'm not an expert on infectious diseases. So I'm trying to stay as positive as I can. And like when I communicate to people in my other business, I'm like, this is, you're an essential business. You're still open. This is a chance for you to, you know, be a hero in your community. This is a chance for you to communicate with people, you know, make sure you reach out to people, make sure that you are positive, make sure you give people options. And that is so, so huge because it helps spark and, and fire up, you know, that kindle of hope, right? And that kindle of hope hopefully becomes a flame in a community that keeps everybody energized and keeps going. Uh, As I turn over to page 66, a lot of my highlights are gone, which is great, which means we've gotten through the hard part of that I wanted to talk about. Um, And I can move on with what John was talking about as far as moving on to the next stage, past reality into being the example, right? And so when you want to be an example, this is kind of a blend of reality and example. You want to make sure that you're doing your best to set expectations. You want to make sure that customers, vendors, group members, anyone that you are associating with it, they understand what the expectations are, right? I can think of a couple of times in my professional career, one of them recent, like within the last two years, where I thought I was clear on expectations. I thought I was like crystal on this is what you're going to do. This is how it's going to work. This is how things take shape here. This is, and then. You know, that disillusionment started coming in about two months in and, and then I'm like, did I misset the expectations or is someone just trying to buck the system on the expectations I've set? And you have to be real introspective about that. You know, when something goes backwards, you kind of have to evaluate yourself and go, did I drop that ball there? Uh, Michelle writes, she, she lives her whole life on hope. And uh, I will tell you that that, that is true. Uh, Michelle has a sweet, sweet, sweetheart and uh she is very hopeful very positive and and very very cheerful sometimes in the bleakish moments but uh michelle is an awesome power to have as we get into examples it says leaders acknowledge they must climb the hill first does that sound familiar it's real similar to some of the content we've already covered right talked about that leadership dance leaders acknowledge they must climb the hill first on page 69 the big quote is what sets great leaders apart from all other leaders is this, they act before others and they do more than others. And so you've heard me say over and over and over again, leaders see more than others do and leaders know more than others do and they see more than others do. Right? I've said that a bunch, they know more than others do and they see more than others do. That's a quote from a separate part of the book. This one talks about action. And that's because this chapter is all about making the sacrifice, taking action, right? So what sets great leaders apart from all other leaders is they act before others and they do more than others. And that's super, super huge. So when you, know, when you catch the theme of John's leadership, it's, you know, you can't be so focused on the here and now. You can't just look at the calendar and look at Thursday, March 26th right i can't do that when i look at the calendar i got to see the whole month i got to see the whole quarter i got to take a look at you know half of a half of a fiscal year and i got to take a look at a whole year i gotta i gotta see the whole big picture and then i have to relay my thoughts about that big picture to my team in a way that makes sense in digestible parts that you know that they can manifest right and so i'm gonna flip the page on us here and i'm gonna go it says follow me leaders believe in themselves uh, before and more than others do. And so what is a follow me leader? A follow me leader is someone that leads by example. A follow me leader isn't someone that barks a command from a hill and goes, I want you guys to go up that hill and take care of A, B, and C, right? No, a follow me leader says, hey, tell you what, fellas, we're going to go up that hill. We're going to take A, B, and C. uh, Follow me, right? And then the group, follows him and then he walks ahead of them, beside them and behind them as needed to get up that hill and take A, B and C, whatever that is, right? And and uh, I'm thinking of those movies like Hamburger Hill and things like that, right? But, so how do you be a follow me leader? You know, why must you always go first? Why must you always be the one? You know, and in a corporate setting, I gotta be careful. I gotta be super, super careful with this one. I don't wanna oversimplify this like in a corporate setting, there's a lot of times where you might be the leader. You might have the positional authority, but you might not have the knowledge of each task or each work. So it's not like you're gonna say, you know, like if you worked at Ford and you're designing a new car, it's not like, well, let me show you how this clay works. I'm gonna make the clay model and then I'll show you how the sheet metal is pressed and then I'll show you how, you know, solenoids get added to the sheet metal to make the windows automatic. You know, you don't have to lead at, at that level, right? you have experts that you put in position to be experts at at their specialty, but you're leading the group, right? You're leading by example and you you go first when it's time to make an initiative or push forward or go to a new paradigm. You're the one that's taking the risk and getting out there and getting your hands dirty and then you bring your people with you, right? I hope that I'm explaining that right. Um, It says, follow me leaders, believe in themselves before and more than others do says i've observed a lot of successful people whom others have not believed in but i've yet to meet a successful person who did not believe in him or herself self-belief becomes comes first self-belief comes first as leaders we cannot give to others what we do not possess ourselves and then it goes through a big thing of you know there's a story in here about a defense attorney arguing a point and things like that um i I didn't want to I don't want to go through all that in, in reference to time, but that's on page 70. And again, uh, it's the leadership book that you can get right through Amazon. Uh, after that, the next thing that he talks about is consistency. And you'll notice I skipped a couple of pages there, and that was just to get you through a couple of stories that are in the book. Um, it says, follow me leaders, follow me leaders, believe in themselves follow me leaders set expectations for themselves, right? So you expect more from yourself than you do of your team. That makes sense, right? Your success in your career will be in direct proportion to what you do after you've done what you're expected to do, right? So you go above and beyond and you, again, lead by example, which is what he was saying there. Follow me leaders make commitments to themselves before and more than others do, right? So you're also going to make Commitments and you're going to speak those commitments into existence, right? You're going to let people know that you're holding yourself accountable to things like deadlines and tasks and stuff. Okay. The third thing, right? So we talked about uh, reality, we talked about being the example, and now we talk about consistency. And here we are at 20 minutes to four Pacific Standard Time. So we're still good on time. Consistency. Leaders understand they never get to stop climbing. I did more than outline in this book. I mean, I outlined and scribbled and wrote notes and everything. The depth of wisdom that I'm able to grasp out of this, I hope I do justice in relaying to the audience that's on this, that's watching this, or that will take the class after, you know, in the Manana No Mas Academy. It it, it just really speaks to me in a big, big way. This chapter was so huge, the way I digested it and thought about the times that we were in. Consistency. Leaders understand they never get to stop climbing. You're never done. And this is huge because a lot of leaders, and again, it's, it's talking about goals to growth, right? It, it's, not goals to, it's not goals, it's growth. And growth, that whole section was, it's not over. There's no finish line. Growth continues you know, ad infinitum forever and ever. John's in his 70s. He's still writing books on leadership and he's still learning from other people in the world about the finer points of leadership and so uh and i'm in my 50s and i feel like i've just cracked this egg open i mean i feel like i'm just always in a a new piece of information right uh early in leadership uh he thought that if he led well for a season he he had the right to take shortcuts and quit making sacrifices that's john being transparent right in fact in his words it says Early in my leadership, I thought that if I led well for a season, I could earn the right to take shortcuts and quit making sacrifices. I mean, the guy that's number one in leadership coaching is telling you point blank that when he first got started, he thought it was okay to take shortcuts, you know, once he got to a certain goal. But what happens if you start taking shortcuts, you know, monkey see, monkey do, right? The the people on your team are like, what's the deal? why, Why is the standard so high for me? And you're doing whatever you want to do, right? that's where that, that weird, you know, goose and gander thing starts to pop up and you want to avoid that. Right? So, so you gotta be consistent and you gotta show up and you gotta do, you know, there weren't too many times, you know, in my corporate life that coworkers could look over to my chair or my desk and go, Oh, where's Kurt today? Has anybody heard from Kurt? Has anybody heard from Kurt? Where's Kurt today? that doesn't usually happen, right? Because I wanna be the dude that's consistent. I wanna be the rock that's there. If I'm having a really, really crappy day, which trust me, in the corporate world can happen, you can go through waves, right? Of good day, bad day, good day, bad day. And some days some days they stretch good week, bad week, good week, bad week. It is very, very difficult to pull yourself out of that hole, but you gotta kind of find a way to have that hope, to be the example and be consistent right acknowledge your reality but make a commitment to be the example and then be consistent in that example which sometimes can be really really hard especially if you've got external forces pushing against you but you got to do what you got to do you got to make that sacrifice to lead your people Uh, and i'll admit i fall short on that uh, often and you know what there'll be times where i knock it out of the park at church uh, leading a group or i knock it out of the park at the office and then all I do is, is come home and vomit on my family, which is what a lot of people do. And that's, again, that, that's incorrect, right? If there's anywhere that I should lead with consistency, it's in front of my children and my spouse, right? And I'll tell you, transparently, I drop that ball a lot. And these are things like when I speak this stuff, it's like, wow, you know, I want you to think to yourself, do I do this? Am I guilty of this? You know, is this something I can improve on? And even if you think you're good at it, pause take a moment could you be better at it you know when you talk about leadership it's always about what can i do better what option do i have to do something bigger better stronger you know and how can i add more value to others that's this whole thing breaks down to that right you can take all of the bible and get down to that statement that christ said you know they said what are the laws jesus what are the laws and then finally you just said well love god love others that's it love god love others." the guy wraps up the whole Old Testament and New Testament in in two little sentences. And for some reason, we're all still studying the Bible. That's correct. Right. It's, it's simple. We want to add value to others. We want to constantly develop ourselves, but the reading this type of literature is so important to continually develop. Right. Um, what I got here next on page 75, he refers to that as destination disease, right? When you think you've made it and now you can sit back and relax, that's destination disease. I thought I could arrive at a time, place, and situation that would give me the greatest of all perks. And this is what a lot of your leaders are looking for. A lot of your leaders are looking for all the recognition with none of the responsibility, all the recognition, none of the responsibility. They want the gas card. They want the parking spot. They want the company car allowance. They want the health care. They want the extra time of vacation off. They want all those things. They want all of the recognition, right? They want to be the one that stands up in front of the company and makes some great speech on a PowerPoint presentation. They want all the recognition, but none of the responsibility. They don't want to be around when the chips start to fall, and they can be hard to get a hold of or, or hard to get an audience with when something doesn't go right, okay? And that's a sign that you're dealing with someone that has destination disease. Now, remember, if that's where you're trying to get, if you're trying to think of, man, I just want to get to where I have all the recognition and none of the responsibility. If that's what you're looking for, there's no such place. In the real world of leadership, that doesn't exist, right? Cause we talked about goal to growth and always getting bigger, better, stronger, right? Again, John uses that favorite quote of mine. He says, you got to give up to go up, right? Whatever I've discovered, what I've discovered is that I had to give up to go up and I have to give up even more if I want to stay up. like Once you get to this pinnacle of leadership, you think you're overseeing, like John right now has 30,000 people in the John Maxwell team. I was like number 16,000, right? So he has almost doubled his network since I got certified in 2016. 30,000 people just in that network, doesn't count the other five companies he's got, right? He didn't get there yet. He's, he hasn't arrived, he's still working and I will continue to work, right? And leaders that I build up underneath me will continue to work. And that is what we're hoping to push forward, right? A world full of people that recognize they're in a leadership position of some kind, some magnitude that they can keep pushing forward with. Again, on page 75, I highlighted, if you desire to go to higher levels of leadership, you need to keep paying the price. Again, he references Jim Collins. Jim Collins said, the signature of mediocrity is chronic inconsistency right how many of us have been supervised by someone that was mediocre how painful is it to work with someone that is mediocre just this morning i had a consultation call with one of my motorcycle dealerships and he described a service rider mm-hmm. that he described as being bipolar he said, oh, the guy's like bipolar you know uh, he's all over the place he's like bipolar and i said no 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 before you classify somebody or try to psychologically diagnose somebody, um, take a look at at the environment, right? Crisis, and and this is very relevant to today with the virus, crisis amplifies what someone perceives as real. Okay? So this service writer is working in a crisis environment. He hasn't planned well. He hasn't prioritized well. Honestly, hasn't really done anything well, right? Uh, He's given the technician the wrong parts for something. A customer is happy when they pick up their motorcycle. Uh, Another customer is upset because they don't want to pay to have a service done. And so the service writer is dealing with this in a service environment that is chaotic. Right. So the customer comes to pick up the motorcycle and they're happy with the work and that pleasant experience puts that service writer on an emotional high. He's like, Hey, what's going on, brother? What's happening? And he says that to the technician, the technician goes, well, you got me the wrong dang parts. Son of a boom. And it's like from here to here. Right now he's back at the parts department. He's trying to sort something out as he comes back. Then a customer comes up, wants to argue about not paying for a job that needs to get done. And the guy just starts to spiral out of control. Right other people are looking at him and going, well, that is, you know, that guy's bipolar, that guy's unstable. No, he's not unstable. He hasn't leveraged the art of leadership. He hasn't established prioritization or processes in his work environment and he's suffering through that. And I'll go another step further. There's someone above that individual that hasn't looked down and saw that that is a lack of prioritization and then helped him establish processes leading with him, you know, side by side with him establishing processes and putting a calmness into that position. And once you install calmness into that position, you'll see the technicians are happier. The customers are happier. Your service guy is not bipolar anymore and the whole shop can increase productivity, efficiency, and profit. But the leadership, the part that never ends is that you have to help maintain that and you have to periodically check in. And then you have to empower people to tweak processes and maintain things and, and then grow leaders underneath you to be able to fill those gaps. Right. And so, man, I went down a rabbit hole there, but don't worry, it's only 348. Okay. So Jim Collins said the signature of mediocrity is chronic inconsistency right and that inconsistency can be in all kinds of ways could be the guy that acts bipolar could be uh productivity that goes like this it could be creativity that goes like this like this you know guys that have writer's block that work on a creative team somewhere you know that writer's block isn't just writer's block right there's a cause for that and so having good leadership in place that's consistent can help alleviate some of that if you were to take a look at the better example of the inconsistency statement from Jim Collins, you would say um, that the signature of excellence is relentless consistency, right? Um, thinking about relentless consistency, John uses an example of golfing and it will be quicker to read it than to talk it, so I'll read it real fast for you. It says, it has been my privilege to play a few rounds of golf with several PGA players. One of them explained to me that the reason most tournaments consist of several rounds he said that almost any good professional golfer can shoot one good round. I like this. I like this example. Cause this works with like motorcycle, road racing, mountain biking, all the things I'm into. It's like this. Okay. With one good round, having to shoot a second good round typically knocks out about half the competitors, right? The third round eliminates another half of the remaining competitors. So now you're down to 25% of who originally started the tournament, right? The fourth round is the real test of consistency for a golfer. Anyone who can sustain that consistency rises above the rest and deserves to be rewarded. And so as John puts that example in place, you know, I can see that John's kind of leaning on consistency as being, you know, the kind of the weight or the anchor of this chapter. But like I said, as I read the chapter just this morning, I really thought that the first section of reality, understanding reality, to me was paramount, especially during this time, right? We're in the middle of a pandemic and people are freaking out. Well, let's gear back a little bit and let's take stock of what reality is, right? So there was reality and then there was, help me, (laughs) there was reality and then there was being the example and then there's consistency. I don't know why I, I farted on that word there, but I did. Reality, example, and consistency. I think it's super, super important that when you talk about consistency, you understand that it's something that you can't use favoritism with. It's got, I mean, favoritism is a natural thing, but you have to monitor yourself, especially when you're dealing with a group of people. Consistency provides security for others. So you're going to make people feel more secure with themselves. Uh, anthropologist Margaret Mead observed, and I highlighted this because I've heard it before and I didn't know where it came from. I guess it's her. Anthropologist Margaret Mead observed: What people say, what they do, and what they say they do are entirely different things. Okay, what people say, what they do, uh, and what they say they do are entirely different things. If you're a consistent as a leader, that should not be true for you, right? So you should you should emulate what your words are, your energies, your sacrifice, the hard work you're doing should emulate what you're already putting in, right? Uh, It says, people know where you stand and how you deliver. Consistency keeps you in the leadership game. Consistency establishes your reputation. (laughs) That's important. Um, In my industry of choice, in power sports, you know, I know thousands of people. I've made contact with tens of thousands of people, right? And there's two that I know of that aren't exactly fond of me. And I think about it and I go, well, there's only two that have really voiced a negative you know opinion on me i'm doing pretty good by the numbers right and people have asked well are you afraid that someone might damage your reputation and the answer to that is an emphatic no right Um, consistency establishes your reputation and so once you get to a certain uh, reputable point other things don't affect you as much right I would make decisions at Suzuki that maybe weren't as popular as they could have been with the rest of the management team. But I had established myself based on my work ethic uh, in a consistent way that I could voice that opinion almost fearlessly, right? And that's, I think that's so, so important, right? When we talk about the hard work it takes to be a good leader, it is not living in fear. It is doing what you know is right, taking action on what you know is right, being consistent in how you employ that action, and then that builds your reputation. People know what to expect from you. There's no real surprises. Now, my personality is full of surprises, but I don't think there's a surprise in my work ethic or the way that I get things done. Uh, Consistency keeps you in a leadership game, and consistency compounds. He uses the theory of compounding interest, that financial term, to talk about how, how consistency compounds, right? And that's interesting. The next story that he goes into is about Cal Ripken and how Cal Ripken uh, was the most consistent baseball player of all time. And he played in 2,000, I mean, yeah, 2,632 consecutive games. And then it goes on and on to talk about how many people have played over 1,000 games, how many people have played over 2,000 games. And he's in the Hall of Fame for that, right? Being super consistent. Maybe not the best hitter, maybe not the best pitcher, maybe not the best with errors, maybe not the best, but he was consistent to be in each and every game for 2,632 games in a row. And when asked how he did that, it's interesting. Um, It says the streak, and this is what Ripken says, the streak was really born out of a very simple and honest approach. Dad always taught me to show up at the ballpark each and every day ready to play. And if the manager believes you are one of the nine guys who can help the team win that day, he knows he can count on you and will put you in the lineup. And that's simply how the streak started and grew over the years. Cal Ripken knew he just had to show up. You know, I was at a speaker summit with the Jake Ballantyne group a month ago. And he talked about a group might be this big, right? but typically when it comes to a live event, only 1% of that group will show up. And then he said, if you're in this room right now, which I was, uh, he says, if you're in the room right now, you're part of the 1%. You're part of the 1% that's gonna show up. And showing up makes you special. Just being someone that, that goes the extra effort and, and participates and shows up, puts you in the 1% and gives you a better chance of leadership and success. When I put people into the learning management system for Power Sports, there are people that take all the information and use it and grow it. I had a dealership in Canada come to a two-day workshop with me and raise his parts and labor sales uh, by over $600,000 in the first nine months after training. That was more than a 50% increase in parts and labor sales. That's huge but that he's one of the one percenters, right? He's one of these guys that like grabbed all the gold nuggets he could out of class and implemented everything. And then there's people that, you know, don't finish their homework or people that don't, you know, just even handle the basis of expectations to experience any level of success. And while I feel bad for those people, it's the people that put in the effort that do the work that apply themselves, that I really applaud and that I will jump behind with double the effort next time to help them succeed even more. And it's because you wanna put your energies after what is good, right? Um, Help me, help me, help me with the name of it. The something principle, Pareto. Yeah, the Pareto principle. I don't know why I'm forgetting words today. But the Pareto principle talks about, you know, uh, 20% of the people in an organization will accomplish 80% of the good work, right? And so you wanna put your efforts as a leader into that 20% and help them produce even more. And yes, you, you have to take care of the rest of the flock, but you wanna put your energy and your efforts where the, where the most return is gonna come, right? If I'm gonna make a sacrifice, how can I get the most perk for that sacrifice? And so there's a whole lot of leadership that's getting thrown around when I start combining these works together, right? The 21 Irrefutable laws of leadership, the leader the 360-degree leader. Everybody communicates, few connect. And when you start absorbing all this stuff and living all this stuff, it gets to where you start blending things together, and you come up with this awesome mix of how to run an organization. It's really fun. Uh, there's a bullet list at the end of the chapter, and we have two minutes left to go. So, And Michelle, if you want, you can stay on after the call. I'd really like to chat with you if you've got some time or if you're still on the call. I see your name. But uh, the bullet list is just perks to price. It says, (laughs) practice, she's here. (laughs) It says, practicing is not amazing. Studying is not amazing. Showing up is not amazing. Working hard is not amazing. Asking questions is not amazing. Changing is not amazing. Trying is not amazing. Failing is not amazing and trying again is not amazing. And that is because someone introduced him as an awesome leader, right? This this is an amazing leader. And he said, I'm not amazing. Rather, I'm an experienced leader. I've stayed consistent. I'm just experiencing the compounding effect of having paid the price to improve as a leader for a really long time. So at this point in my career, I look better than I actually am, right? Sometimes I feel like that. I feel like I look better than I actually am right? Cause I've paid the price. I'm in my fifties and I'm doing better than I was when I was in my thirties. So he made this list of everything that's not amazing, but here's, what's cool. Every one of these things is necessary. They are prices you must pay every day to reach your potential. If you pay that price and do it consistently, the final result can be amazing. And that puts us at 359, folks. Uh, what I usually do at the end is I just close out with a quick prayer. If you wanna sign off, you can sign off if that makes you uncomfortable. If you are comfortable, I'm gonna say a quick little prayer. I'll end the call. And then if Michelle stays on, I'm gonna chat with her because she joined the live, all right? So Father God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for the ability to share the words that John shares with me. Uh, Father, I know that these times are hard. I know that people are struggling and I ask that you would just give them calm and peace, calm and peace. And Father, if these are people that have been chosen, or that have chosen themselves to be leaders, Father, I ask that you would help them absorb the words, put things into practice, and find some gold nuggets from these lessons. And uh, other than that, you do the things you do, God, because you're awesome. Folks, have a good one. I'll talk to you all later. Bye-bye. And...